listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great great nation. We got Mr. Steve Fezzik in studio, two-time Super Contest champion. You might have heard that before. This is a special show. It's the Thursday, right? So Fridays are Pigpalooza during football season. But Thursday, what I want to do today is I want to frame what are the questions in these games. There's four games. And you know what? The thing about the Vegas line is there's reasonable people on the favorite and there's reasonable people on the underdog, always. Because if it wasn't reasonable, it would change. Think about it. Let's say that we thought, no, Kansas City, they can't be 10-point favors. No way. Okay, then people would be betting the Browns like crazy, and the line would go down and down and down until it was reasonable. So by definition, there's reasonable people on each side of the spreads once they've been out for a little while, right? Initially, you could say, well, the opening number was wrong, but that's going to get adjusted very quickly. Come even Monday morning in football, you're going to have reasonable lines. So we're going to go through each of the four games, and we're going to tell you, if you like this side, here's what you think, and if you like this side, here's what you probably think, and it will help you decide which of those two sides you agree with, and then tomorrow we'll actually do the picks. Sports bettors, they do listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. We're the pros. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a major coaching rumor in the NFL, we've also got more fallout from the blockbuster James Harden trade in the NBA. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? Well, since we're going to focus on the four games that are playing this weekend, and the biggest news, I think, of today was Jared Goff being named the starter. I think we start with the Rams-Packers. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, announcing earlier today, John Wolford will not play this week against the Packers, meaning Jared Goff is back as starting quarterback for the Rams, who find themselves six-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Packers, according to pregame.com. And I think your very uh, detailed way of saying that, or I guess more specific, was exactly right, Jonas, and I think it, it bears us to spotlight it. It wasn't so much an affirmative decision for Goff, but rather it was, hey, the other guy can't play, right? So I think that speaks to 
a real under-discussed part of last week's game with the Rams against Seattle is they chose Jared Goff was able to play. I mean, the fact that he played after Wolford was hurt is a sign that he was able to start. And McVay said, no, thank you. You you sit down and rest. This guy undrafted, you know, wh- however you want to describe how unpedigreed Wolford is, he was the choice. And, uh, I mean, maybe, Jonas, I'd like to get you as the fan's perspective. Isn't that amazing? A guy who was the number one pick in the draft, a guy who McVay himself said, this is my choice for my franchise quarterback because they signed him to a second contract. And lo and behold, it's gotten so bad in a way he's being chosen or, or, or he, they're selecting an unknown guy to start ahead of him last week. What do, what, what do you take away from that? I was really surprised that Wolford started last week. I, I was under the impression, and maybe I read this completely wrong, but the fact that they wanted to get the surgery done on the thumb as soon as it happened after the injury led me to believe that their plan was let's try and get him back for the playoffs because we feel like the sooner we can do the surgery, the sooner he'll be back on the field. And the fact that the decision was made still went with Walford. He was able to, to dress out, and they only ended up going to Goff. I mean, think about it. If Walford doesn't get hurt, and if he doesn't play awful, Jared Goff doesn't get into that game. That was surprising to me. I don't know how much of this is they're really concerned because clearly the thumb was hampering him on certain throws during the game last week. I don't know if this is Sean McVay playing some mind games. Yeah, you know, it, it's not so much that, that you know, we're, we're going with Jared Goff. It's that, you know, the other guy's injured as opposed to him trying to just let everybody know. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very bizarre just sort of the messaging here. What you're saying is almost something I think that would hurt Goff. I mean, I think we can agree Goff isn't the most, it doesn't seem to be the most uh, mentally tough quarterback. So by showing him a lack of faith by starting Wolford last week, it seems like that it was not only clearly the right decision in the mind of McVay, it had to be such the right decision. It overcame whatever negative it would have up yeah. to Goff. and. Yeah. If, if Wolford had played the whole game, we could have said, well, golf was an emergency backup, but his hand was really hurting. The fact that he played and played, you know, about as well as he typically does, not great, but it kind of says, no, it seems like he was pretty much, and people I've talked to have talked about the spiral, the tightness of the spiral. They said he was thrown normally. I don't know what your eyes told you, but there's no real indication because I think you're right. If you said, hey, golf was better as a backup than somebody else, but he was ha- hampered anyway. And if he was 100%, he would have started for sure. I think that's a possible thing we could have thought if he never got in the game. But once he got in the game, he looked the same as usual. At least that's what I'm hearing people believe. Then the question becomes, then wouldn't Wolford have started no matter what his thumb injury was? And that's a general dislike of golf and and a dismissing of him that we haven't seen yet. It'd be a new thing with the Rams, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and and that's surprising to me. And that's why I was taken back when he didn't start last week. I mean, when he came to the game, 
there were times to where he, he could not throw a tight spiral. He could not get the ball out normally. He was constantly trying to, you know, keep the hand warm, constantly trying to, you know, to protect it at all times if he possibly could. I don't know what weather is going to impact in Green Bay. It's supposed to be in, so, in the mid-30s. Yeah, we got some numbers on that. So, But just to clarify, because obviously that's why I get different opinions, you're saying your eye test said – that the spiral golf's throwing in general you thought was hindered by the hand. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Fez, yeah. be the tiebreaker on that. And uh, actually thinking about it, it was Maddie Holt who was on with us yesterday when we did our podcast after he was mentioning he thought the ball was coming out the same. What did you think from the eye test? If I didn't know he had had a broken thumb, I would have no idea that Goff was not 100% based upon just what I saw in the game, RJ. He looked like he was Goff. And again, that's this is subjective, right? So it's not that you're right or Jonas is right. I think it's probably somewhere in between because you're both pretty reasonable people. Um, and again, it's hard to always see. You know, it's not like we've got some ISO camera on his ball. You know, where you know the different uh, cuts are going to. Sometimes it's going to show one thing. Sometimes it's going to show the other. Let's talk about the weather. We're straight out of Vegas, breaking down the Rams, Packers, and there's some sharp action on this, and we'll explain exactly where it is. Fez, how do you see the cold weather, as Jonas brought up, affecting the game? Yeah, I do think it will be a factor. The forecast flurries, 32 degrees, and Jared Goff has only played four games in his NFL career with cold weather as defined to be 45 degrees or below. In those games, the Rams 0-4 against the spread, and I think what's telling RJ is that the Rams' offense has underachieved to the tune on average of 10 points per game, what they scored versus what the expectation was in terms of the points the Rams were supposed to score. Okay, very well said. And as we talk about a good bit is you can take a spread and a total and get what the expected score is. So let's use a very simple example. There's a minus four favor. The total is 44. Well, what the outcome is projected to be by Vegas is 24-20. Total of 44, one team winning by four the favor. Okay, so we can always say how many points were scored relative to expectation. And in those four games that Goff played in cold weather – they scored 10 less points per game than expected. And that's the beauty of the line. The line accounted for the weather. The total accounted for the weather. So it wasn't like, oh, it was cold. No wonder they didn't score. No, no. That was expected. The weather was known and still 10 points less. And I would make the case that just, you know, for my own limited athletic career, when your hands are cold, if you – I mean, I broke my – I guess, ring finger on my right hand. Now, that thing was hurting for about four years. But still, <laughs> that's a little different, I'm sure. But it's like when it's cold, it's, you've got to grip that ball differently. You need your hand strength, right? The guys that can throw in the real cold weather are typically got the big hands and the strong mitts. And it doesn't matter how big or strong you usually are. If you just broke your thumb, it can't be 100% yet, right? Even if in warm weather, if the ball's coming out right or not, it certainly is even more of an issue in cold weather. Additionally, though, and mitigating perhaps, is that it's been another week. So the theory is, okay, it could have gotten better. Shifting gears, let's talk about the money so far in this game. So if you go to pregame.com, go to the Game Center, and look at the bet splits cash-wise, a majority of the money has been on Green Bay. But the line has gone down. And it opened to 7.5, it went to 7, and now it's 6.5. So, Fez, I think that we would unequivocally say the biggest bets, but even more so the sharpest bets from the bettors that are most respected 
are on the Rams so far. Would you agree with that? And typically when that's the case come Thursday, does that tend to continue through game time? No question about it, RJ. And we saw that last week when the Sharps went ahead and bet early and they took Indy plus seven against Buffalo, essentially saying, you know what? I like this game enough. I don't think I'm going to do better than this. I'm confident that plus seven is as good as it gets. And the same thing was true for this game. The Sharp professional better said, you know what? I want plus seven now. I'm not going to do better than this over the course of the week. So what we know so far, we're going to take our first break. What we know so far is Jared Goff, the choice of him now being the starter felt like it wasn't so much love of him, but rather the other guys hurt. We question him generally at this point. We question how the psychology of the decision last week is going to affect a fragile, perhaps, ego, a fragile perspective. Additionally, we think the cold weather is a bigger problem for golf. History says it is. But regardless of that, the Sharps are on the Rams. When we come back, I'm going to make the case for Green Bay. I personally like Green Bay, and I think I've got a compelling case. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look at all the games in the NFL's divisional round of the playoffs this weekend. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And asking the key questions. In a way, you can answer these questions yourself, and it will tell you who you should be liking in the games. So it's a nice little thing we're doing. Great day to join. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has more than doubled in the last year plus. Or let's say doubled. That's fair. In the last year plus, thank you so much for the support. And we're going to work extra hard to finish off this great football season. You can listen to us on any of the 225 local stations across the country. And if you don't know exactly the one for you, just go to foxsportsradio.com, put in your area, and you'll find out exactly that best station to listen to right here in Las Vegas on the Strip. 70 degrees. The neon is flowing. We've been talking about the announcement made. Sean McVay announcing Jared Goff will be the starting quarterback this weekend for the Green Bay Packers or for the L.A. Rams against the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. We're right now the Packers on pregame.com, six and a half point favorites. It's important to remember, and it's obvious, Green Bay is the number one seed. Green Bay is the one team that got to buy. So the question is, how do buy teams do? In the playoffs. So if we look back and say, okay, let's look at the modern era, as I call 2012 and beyond, and that's because it's the first year, full year after the new agreement that changed the practicing and all that. Things just really did change after that. And from 12 on, teams off a bye or with a bye in the playoffs who are not favored by a touchdown or more. Nine and five against the spread. So a wonderful ATS record for a reasonably priced buy team, the number one or in the past in the number two seed. Now, the next game we're going to cover and we're going to finish up the Rams is going to be Kansas City, who's the other buy team. They're in a different category spread wise, and it's different results in that game. Now, why do I like Green Bay? And it is against the Sharps. We talked about it. The Sharps like the Rams. Now, remember, they like the Rams at plus 7.5. They like the Rams at plus 7. Now I'm at minus 6.5. So it's obviously I don't have to go head-to-head with the Sharps as much as I'm getting a slightly better number. And I still am disagreeing with them, though. And another reason is I think the Rams are a little bit overrated on defense. Doesn't mean I don't think they have a good defense. I think they have a top-five defense. 
But I think this price is telling us, because we know the offense isn't all that good, and we know Jared Goff isn't playing all that well, and all the doubts about Goff and McVay's questions, that's all a given. So how are they still the sharp side? It's a defensive matter. Or it's an anti-Packers. That's the only two reasons you could like the Rams. You love their defense or you don't like the Packers. It can't be about the Rams' offense. It just can't be. So even though you could make the case, oh, the Rams can run the ball aggressively and Green Bay struggled against that last year. Okay, maybe. But boy, if you're one-dimensional, that's tough. And the reason, though, I think the Rams' D might be a little overrated is because if you look at their strength of opposition, and we're talking about the opposing offenses now, there's been numerous times throughout the year that they didn't play the best quarterback that that team had throughout the year. So let's use the perfect example. Arizona Cardinals were the 17th best offense in football, so right about average. So the Rams playing that offense, their defense against that offense, it looks like, okay, the Rams dominated an average offense. That's a good thing. Except the quarterback wasn't the normal starting quarterback for the Cardinals. It wasn't Kyler Murray. It was a backup. Fez, I think you have uh, you try to say his name sometimes, and you always mess it up. What, what, what's the name of that? Stevler. Ste- yes, he says it different every time. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. Is okay. So you're going to be right one of these times for sure. Uh, you know, we got the guy here, Jonas. What's the pronunciation on that? Uh, I'm seeing Strevler. Chris. Yeah, Strevler. Who yeah. wouldn't know that? No, Stevler. The R is silent. It's yeah. not Stevler. <laughs> 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 All right. So, again, Jonas is a pro. The, the, to, to me, that has happened an inordinate amount of times to benefit the Rams, where if you just look at how good the opposition is, it doesn't tell you the truth of how good they were the day they played the Rams. And they weren't as good the day they played the Rams. I think that takes the Rams to maybe the fifth best defense. They're still good. They're not quite as good. Fez, what do you think about that when it comes to the defense specifically in my assessment? Yeah, I think it's strong, the fact they got to play Seattle three times this year, but never had to play Seattle in September or early October when that Seattle offense was clicking. Same with Arizona, that Arizona offense. Remember, Murray got banged up. So even in the first Arizona game, Arizona's offense not as good. They got New England late in the year when New England couldn't move the ball at all. A whole lot of breaks on the schedule where Seattle got offenses that were way down versus earlier in the year. Yeah, very well said. Now, let's be candid, though. The Rams are still a great D, and you could make the case about if you look at last week and, and and Donald being hurt in the second half and them still playing well, that says something positive about the Rams, wouldn't you say? No doubt about it. So Aaron Donald leaves early in the third quarter. I'm like, well, you know, the Rams have been shutting down Seattle. That's not going to continue. Well, it did continue. The Rams got one touchdown in the second half and only on the on their final drive against a prevent defense. Rams D totally shut them down, even without Aaron Donald. So... We're not saying that they're not good. We're saying they might not be as good as the market thinks the Rams on defense. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Last thing on this game, Green Bay has lost some luster in the betting public because they've lost against the spread a few times recently. But never has it been that the game itself was in doubt. So I think uh, the Jacksonville game is an example of this. I think the Carolina game was an example, as I recall, where there were late backdoor touchdowns that made it where Green Bay was laying like eight and they won by seven or laying nine, they won by eight. So they just slipped in the opponent under the number. And you know what? 
if you bet Green Bay, you're mad at Green Bay. It's just human nature when a team – now, Fez takes it to a whole other level. But it's human nature. If you bet a team and you lose with them, you're not as anxious to bet them the next week. So you got a Green Bay team that has done exceptionally well. I, I mean, what's the last game? I mean, they lost to the Colts a while back. It doesn't feel like they've had even games where they could have lost for the most part. But there's a sense that they're a, a fraudulent number one. I don't think so because who's the other possible number one for the NFC? Well, the Saints, you could say, right? In theory, is the best team. Except Green Bay went into New Orleans and dominated them. One by what, 10? So in general, I'm not saying they automatically are going to win the next time against the Saints. I'm saying Green Bay was clearly the best team in the NFC. They deserve the number one seed. But because of some recent ATS losses, I think some people are sour on them. Fez, closing thoughts on this game for today. Well, Green Bay is 8-1 and one their last nine. You mentioned it, RJ. All their wins pretty much comfortable. Their one loss, they could have easily won that game at Indianapolis, an overtime loser. And I had the Packers in that one, so I'm mad at them for that myself. <laughs> I can't lie. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So we've talked about the number one seed in the NFC. Jonas, I think we go to the number one in the AFC. Yeah, it's the first game on Sunday. The number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, hosting the Cleveland Browns, fresh off their upset of the Steelers last week. But Kansas City is a 10-point favorite on pregame.com. You know, it dawns on me, we should get the force pick from you, Jonas. Now, this won't go on your record, <laughs> but, but who would you take force Rams Green Bay right now? I would take Green Bay. I think the injuries are a big deal for the Rams. Uh, your quarterback's not 100%. Your best player on, on defense, maybe your best player on the roster is not 100%. Cooper Cup's banged up. Just feels like a lot for the Rams this weekend. And I still like I, – I, that has not pushed me off Green Bay. I'm just saying that in case people are wondering. <laughs> okay. So if we look at this line, I think we have are seeing something in this Kansas City-Cleveland game that we've never seen before is there's a team in the second half of the season, so eight games, if you had bet Kansas City every game, you would have won zero times. 0-7-1 – against the spread and now they're off a bye and you can make the case a double bye because they didn't really play against the Chargers any of their key players. One historically we know that the double bye situations don't tend to help these teams. It seems like they start slowly no matter what. Um, the Colts back in the day were one under Dungy to often rest a lot of people and they usually started slow that division round game. I think it lends itself, if you do like the Browns, to a first-half bet because you get a little bit of rust advantage, Kansas City's rust. And number two, the Browns are much more comfortable not having to throw because they run the ball very well. Well, there's a chance Kansas City could be up big in the second half, and thus the Browns are forced to throw, not their strong suit. But the theory is earlier in the game and maybe even a first quarter instead of a first-half I think the Browns are going to be in a position to run, even if KC gets up 7 nothing. So, Fez, what's your thoughts on if you do like the Browns, which I do, I certainly lean that way, looking to have a portion of the game early, either first quarter, first half? 
I love the idea of the rust and back in Cleveland early in the game. I would prefer the first quarter, RJ, plus the three, because let's face it, a plus three in a first quarter, first quarters are lower scoring historically than second quarters, and Cleveland's only getting six and a half for the first half. So I think the better, sharper play, in my opinion, just grab Cleveland plus three, where we have the maximum amount of rust for their opponents. I, I like that myself. Now, Here's the thing, though. Steve is a scaredy cat. And, I mean, he's gutsy sometimes, I guess, when he tries to pronounce names and stuff. But when it comes to betting his hard-earned cash that he loves, like his children or like his child, is he gets scared. And here's how we're going to show it. Steve, what's your power rating say on this game? Seven and a half. Okay, so seven and a half. No, you're getting ten. Now, how often are you? Do you see a two and a half point difference between your power rankings or ratings and the actual spread? Maybe once every two and a half, three weeks. So not often, like six, eight times in a football season. Right. Okay. So how often do you bet that game typically? Almost every time. Are you? Have you bet the Browns yet? I have not, RJ. So why is that? I because I think that the spot, let's face it, that win by Cleveland celebratory. That was the biggest win in a generation for the Cleveland football team. And I just have concerns about backing a team after such a massive win. So you're saying you're saying if they had won some other way or whatever, you'd love him here. It has nothing to do with <laughs> I don't want to bet against Mahomes. I'm scared. I could see him win losing thirty to three, blah blah blah. Right or wrong. Come on. It's nothing about the that, the win. Because under that theory, if this line was eleven, like how many points do you think that supposed letdown and I question that letdown right now. Meaning is I think if Stefanski was there, maybe it would be a letdown. But the fact they were able to win without him, but then the coach shows back up, hey, boys, I'm back, I think it's going to really focus them on the future. Because in a way, the head coach can't – it's almost like they're excluding him by focusing backwards. And I think they're going to look forward at this point because Baker Mayfield is three wins away from being a Super Bowl champion. Whoever is flat in a division round. Jonas, right it, or wrong? Uh, you have <laughs> See anyone well, here, flat in a division round? No, I, I mean, look, Kansas City struggled last year early in games to where they got down in every single playoff game they were involved in. What I find most fascinating is Fez has talked about how he's terrified of Bill Belichick. He's terrified of him. He has well, I am too. Thinking about, yeah, but <laughs> this this is the one postseason in a long, long time. There's no Belichick. He should go in fear free. And just bet and, and feel confident about it, yet it's the Kansas City Chiefs that are now scaring him into not betting on this. So, Fez, how many points do you think that your supposed letdown theory is worth? One point. Okay, so you tell at plus 11, you're just taking off the rubber band. Absolutely. Okay, BS, because there's 10 and a half <laughs> that's been out there. So did you fire on that? I did not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so but think about it, everyone. We're straight out of Vegas. The idea that you have a Super Bowl champion, that only lost one game the entire year, that's a number one seed, and lo and behold, they haven't covered a single game in eight games. That's a type of underperformance we've never seen from a really, really good team. And I would make the case, remember, this team only lost one game. So there's something about them that doesn't allow them to focus the entire game. And you know what? Let's let's look at a comparison of the game to start this run of games, the eight games they didn't cover. They had one push against the Saints, seven losses, one or 0-7-1 against the spread. 
The first game in that run was against Carolina. Now, Carolina, this was week nine, was at Kansas City, and the line was 10. Hmm, I think I remember 10 somewhere. Yes, <laughs> this line is 10. So, Jonas, how would you compare Carolina to the Cleveland Browns? Uh, the Browns are much better. Much, much better. better and yes. could you say that somehow Kansas City, now under this theory, have we really changed our opinion that much of Kansas City? I would make the case, if anything, you've downgraded them. Like from what we thought of Kansas City in week nine, the fact that they've had eight straight games in which they have not exceeded expectation even once. You can't upgrade them. So if anything, Kansas City's the same or worse than we thought they were in week nine. So that means literally a worse team is laying the same number against a better team as they did against Carolina just half season ago. And everything points to the idea that if that line was 10, this line should be about seven. And the fact that Fed says his number seven and a half, that speaks to it. We're ge- this is pure value. Now, I get it. I get the idea that it's not fun to necessarily bet against Patrick Mahomes. And we can look foolish in this game, no doubt. But you know what? In the long run, think about the casino owner that has a blackjack table. Sometimes individual players are going to win 10 in a row. They're going to win a lot of money. They don't shut down the blackjack table. If you have the right odds, the right bet, Long term, you're going to do well. We could be foolish in this game and look foolish, but I think unequivocally the Browns are the side. I mean, Fez, last thing I'll ask you is, can you imagine betting Kansas City here and making that case? Not at all, especially because Kansas City in their last eight games, not only are they not covering, you can't just blame it on the point spread tax. Kansas City hasn't won any of these games by more than six points, despite playing some cupcakes, RJ. They played oh, Denver. More than a few cupcakes. Atlanta? I mean, come on. I mean, Carolina, yeah. exactly. All right, last thing. You're going to hear a lot about Andy Reid off the bye. And you know what? It is meaningful, no doubt. Straight up, this is regular season and postseason, 25-6 and six in his career. 20-11 and 11 against the spread. That's outstanding. If you look at in the playoffs, 6-2 and two straight up. And 6-2 and two against the spread with a bye. No doubt. Outstanding. So let's account for that to some degree. It's still not enough, I think, to make KC the right side. And certainly not enough to think – well, not enough for me to get off of the Browns. And certainly not enough to think you want to bet Kansas City. To me, it's Browns or pass. I kind of like that first quarter, especially considering last playoffs, they kind of you know fell behind every game. So, hey – Going against him early, I think, is better relatively. One last thing. We mentioned about how teams off a bye generally do if they're laying the lumber, a lot of points. Well, if you're laying seven or more off a bye back to 2012, eight and ten against the spread. So slightly below water. So everything except the Andy Reid bye seems to point to the Browns. I'm leaning even more towards the first quarter. We'll finalize it tomorrow. 